0: I, w- I would like to ask you about even, you know, mm-hmm. sort of what you've focused on when it comes to Vedanta philosophy, right? Um, Vedanta having, you know, while being such a, while being so firm as a school of thought in terms of being based in Upanishads, like with Gita, the Brahma Sutras, um, while having such distinct schools, as well. It has throughout its time timeline of thousands of years gone through many people adapting it in different ways, meaning approaching it and implementing it in different ways, whether it be say the saints, whether it be the bhaks, whether it be the yogis, whether it be the acharyas themselves, having completely different approaches of what say Brahman is um to even the day-to-day, I mean the new 18th, 19th, 20th century revolutionaries and scholars and philosophers who approached it in their own light. And in one respect, that is honorable that we this the Vedanta philosophy has is so while so firm, it's also flexible. Um, and my question to you is that in today's light, in today's light, in today's times, How should one approach Vedanta? How should one implement it? How should one practice it?
1: See, what is Vedanta, first of all? Vedanta is not really a philosophy in the sense we typically use the word philosophy, especially for Western thought. Vedanta is not really a philosophy. Vedanta is an inquiry. The inquiry is about one's own nature. The nature of the mind. What do I want? What do I want? Why do I never get fulfilled? What is it about me that always seeks activity and something else? The next exciting thing. Who am I? To keep wanting like this, and where did I come from? That's the most fundamental Vedantic inquiry. Who am I? Who am I? And one thing Vedant is very certain about whosoever I am, I'm not really contented with that. Hmm? Something about me is amiss, and that's why the inquiry. Otherwise, there is no need to inquire. If everything is alright, then why bother to inquire? So something is missing somewhere. And it's possible nothing is missing anywhere. I am unable to grasp the perfection of things. Even that is possible. But whatever be the case, one thing is certain, I am not alright with the way I am. I am not joyful with myself. Now, this myself is a fluctuating entity. You are not the same person when you are, let's say, in the studio as when you are on the road. It's a, it's a common everyday experience. The way we look at ourselves, the thing within us that uh, calls out I, keeps changing, mm? or identities keep fluctuating, influences. Uh, make us uh, change our very center almost. Now That's the reason why Vedanta will be looked at from many different angles by the various knowers, sages, rishis, pandits, saints. Hmm? Because even if the destination is the same, The current location is definitely different for every person. You may realize that the welfare of the I lies in its liberation from itself. But liberation from what? The current situation of the I is unique for every individual, for every situation, for every place, for every community, every age and that's why the thing has been presented in so many different ways another reason, related reason why the words of the sages etc. sound sometimes at odds with each other is because the I, the ego has a great tendency and capability to co-opt whatever has been told to it so you tell the ego that the truth is this way And you listen to it, else you will suffer. The ego will take those words and digest them in such a way that they rather fatten the ego itself. Instead of guiding the ego, instead of uh, liberating the ego, the words of the sages can be used by the ego to reinforce itself. And that's why the words that were uttered for the sake of salvation, education, liberation, become, become, become cannon fodder. And the ego is using them as ammunition to blast the teacher itself. So, then the next teacher has to step in. And the next teacher then has to elucidate in a different way, sometimes in a drastically different way. Now, that is not being done to prove the previous teacher wrong. That is being done now to checkmate the ego at its own game. But the game continues, the game is eternal. The words of the next teacher too are in time distorted, manipulated, assimilated, co-opted and then the next one has to come. Just as the ego is always at work, the the series, the tradition of teachers too has to be continuously at work. You cannot have one teacher whose words are eternal because no word can be eternal. Words will need reinterpretation According to the time, the situation, the people, the st- everything. So Vedanta is just one thing, Vedant is not too many things. But Vedant definitely has to be looked at in context for it to be useful. And that's why uh, the, the words of the different knowers were all very useful at their own time in their situations and might be useful even today. It depends on on, uh, how much uh, can you relate to the person the teachers are speaking to. For example, when I teach the Bhagavad Gita, I say that the Gita is only as useful to you as is the depth of your identification with Arjun. If you are Arjun, then Krishna is talking to you. But if you cannot see that you indeed are Arjun, how will the Gita benefit you? You have to see that you are embattled just like Arjun. You have to see that you are stuck in attachment and dilemma just like Arjun. And when you see that, then Krishna becomes radiant and brilliant for you. Now Krishna is definitely a teacher to you. It's a teacher. Now Krishna is like a personal coach. Otherwise, you are just... Witnessing something being said by one person to another person without you having any real relationship with either of the two. And that won't help. Hmm? So so pick up words that were uttered to somebody in your situation. And then you will benefit.
0: Mm. Right. Now you and you point pinpointing that really important aspect of. I guess um, Bharat itself, and its ta- in its ages and its in its years and its millenniums, how different devotees or different seers of saw Vedanta or saw the truth maybe in their own light because of what because of their own lens, the fact that they have their own lens, um, whether that would be um, you know, the bs of Maharashtra, right, where their own circumstances, their own situation, the world at their time, the India, the Indian diaspora at their time, was very, say, um, superstitional or um, blind faith-based. And they saw they they saw the needs of their time. And approached it differently, or maybe definitely. Shankaracharya saw the needs of his time and he approached it differently, definitely, as compared to Ramanuja acharya
1: definitely. Um,
0: so, with that in mind, what do you think are the needs of today's time?
1: Yeah. See, you have put it uh, so nicely. The principles of medicine remain the same, but to each patient, there is a different and unique prescription. So so that's how it is. The fundamentals remain the same. Now we cannot say that one doctor is quarreling with the other because one prescription is different from the other. Hmm? Now you're asking how do I see the need of uh, this time? You see, what do the various saints anyway do in their respective ages? they demolish the popular notions of their time they slay the gods of their time and the ego is very fond of raising new and false gods by by gods what do i mean something that you venerate something that you bow down to something that you are so much in awe of hmm? so even so so, so today Those those gods have to be slayed. The ideals of the age have to be demolished. Now, the gods of the age, who are they? Money is the god. Knowledge is the god. Consumption is a huge god. Happiness is the biggest ideal. Hmm? I just want to lead the good life. And what does the good life mean? I must consume a lot. So Vedanta in today's times amounts to negating the notions, the ideals that we venerate today. And that's why Vedanta is uh, always a struggle. It does not really have any affirmative message to convey. It is a philosophy in negativa, if you can call it a philosophy, that is. Because the inquiry always is, is this real? You point at something and then you say, is this real? You point at yourself and ask, is this real? And the answer inevitably is no. So... The entire inquiry is about negation. You look at something and you are taking it seriously. You are falling for it. You are getting too fond of it. Hmm? The thing has become truth for you. You look at the thing and you ask, now is this real? Is this the truth? I want to inquire. I want to know. And if your inquiry is genuine, then the answer is no. So Vedant is definitely about negating whatever time at a particular point in history throws at you in 18th century vedant will negate what people of 18th century thought in 8th century vedant was used to negate what people at that time thought of as truth in the current century whatsoever is taken as very important will be negated by vedant that's what vedant does And that's why certain people are always irritated with it. Well, where is the positive message, they say? There is no positive message. Because there is no need of any positive message. Vedan says you do not need any positivity. Reality in itself is joyful. You just uncover it. And uncovering is a process in negation. You do not need anything additionally. You do not need... Something to be added to your life. Life in itself is beautiful, provided you get rid of all the nonsense you have covered it up with. So that's what Vedanta does. Vedant is a cleaning mechanism. You bring anything to Vedanta and Vedanta says, let's go into it. Let's inquire. Let's investigate. Vedanta is a big question mark. <laughs> and that is the reason why probably it could never become the, the leading thing Of the day at any time in history. It is the mother of all Indian philosophies. All thought. In fact it is the mother of much. Of what is beautiful in the West as well. But it could never by itself. Gain popularity among the masses. Though derivatives from Vedanta became very popular. Such as the songs of the Bhakti saints. They became extremely popular. But Vedanta. The thing in itself remained kind of, uh, you know, marginalized. Uh, because uh, the ego does not like it. You bring anything to it and Vedanta says, oh, uh, I'll, I'll be attracted to it later. First of all, I want to know what it is. Uh, I'll consume it later or I'll reject it later. First of all, I want to know what the thing is about. Now, this kind of inquiry is an obstacle to immediate gratification. And the ego is very fond of gratifying itself. Think of the situations in life when an opportunity to gratify yourself is there. And in that situation, in that moment, if somebody comes and says, let's inquire first thing. You know, something very delicious is right on your plate. And just as you are about to take it in, somebody says, why not first of all inquire the number of calories per gram and the nutritional value and other things about it. Now, how pleasant would you feel? There is certain annoyance. And that's the reason why Vedanta is only for those who love the truth more than sensual gratification.